Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Passion for the Pastime podcast. I'm your host, Walter. And on this episode of the podcast, we are going to break down the crazy, wild, nuts, bizarre, whatever word you want to put on it, of the offseason. <laughs> this offseason was, and of, and of course it could be recency bias, but it was by far the most bizarre of them all. We had John Heyman just, just teasing Giants fans. Aaron Judge was a Giant for about five minutes, and uh, Carlos Correa was a Giant for about, Six days. <laughs> so, yes, it was one of those, one of those off seasons. But outside of the Bay Area, we had a ton of player movement. Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge, by the way, didn't go anywhere. They stayed where they where they were last year. We had a ton of player movement, ton of pitchers on new teams. Jacob Degrom, a manager coming out of retirement. We're going to talk about all of that with Anthony Castro, Vince of MLB.com. He's going to help us dissect what occurred this offseason, make sense of it, and kind of give his own grades. Give his grades on on what went down, who won, who lost. And we're going to break down who has the better outlook going into this season, who won the offseason, because, of course, that always translates into who wins in the regular season. So coming up next, we're going to be speaking with Anthony Castro Vince of MLB.com. To break down the offseason, you're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. I'm your host, Walter. And on this episode of the podcast, because uh, we've been talking a lot about rule changes, we've been talking about the WBC. Well, we have to actually talk about the regular season, which is coming up just about uh, a little bit over a month. There's been a lot of offseason moves, a lot of plays, players in new places, and who better than to break it down than Anthony Castro Vince of MLB.com. He's going to help us find out where everyone ended up and if they were good moves or not. So, Anthony, uh, thank you for joining the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm well, Walter. Excited for uh, the start of spring training. Yeah, spring training just underway. I don't know if you're uh, into the WBC or anything. Are you down in Florida? Are you down in uh, Arizona? Where are you at right now? Um, hard, it's hard to keep track. I, I was in Arizona, and now I'm in Florida. It changes daily for you, Anthony. That's great, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to join me on the podcast. Uh, I know it's a busy time of year. Everyone's trying to uh, get ready for the major leagues uh, start of the regular season, and we got the WBC starting in about a couple of weeks as well. So a lot to uh, kind of uncover, but for for you, Anthony, I wanted to start the conversation because uh, there was reports of Manny Machado, who he isn't a free agent uh, until next year. He plans to opt out of his contract with the Padres uh, after this season. Doesn't mean that he won't end up in San Diego uh, again, but who do you think ha- would be in on the Manny Machado sweepstakes? I mean, everybody who has uh, a checkbook should be in on him, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, his his timing is fortuitous uh, with the opt out um, because you know we've had some really deep uh, free agent classes the last couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the infield and particularly at shortstop. But uh, I know he plays third base. But 
next year is very light on the position player front. So he has a clear opportunity to cash in if he, you know, can replicate what he's done the last couple of years. And there's no reason to think he can't. Um, he'll be, uh, he's entering his age 30 season. So he'll still be young enough to, com- to command a, you know, a longer term deal. Uh, he'll be opting out of a deal that would have taken him through 2028. And, uh, you know, you expect the average annual value to go up and, and probably the length of the deal to go up as well. Uh, specific teams, it's so early to say, but, um, you know, you're out there in San Francisco and the, the Giants missed out on, uh, you know, Aaron Judge and everyone yeah. and fell apart. So, <laughs> so they, they would certainly, you know, be a candidate. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's always the, the chance of like the Yankees getting in on somebody like that. Um, basically, all the big market teams who did not land one of the premier shortstops in the last couple of years, or maybe some that did, you know, yeah. and I'm sure the Padres will make every effort to resign him as well. Now you talk about the big market teams and one team that didn't really make any moves this offseason was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Do you think that there would be any, any opportunity of a reunion with Manny Machado or are those bridges burned and they're kind of pivoting to a Shohei Otani possibility next offseason? Yeah, Otani is probably way more likely there. Um, you know, everything I've heard is that they intend to go all in on Shohei Otani and really try to make that happen. We'll see if that's true. Um, you know, it's so hard to forecast a year out in baseball. So many things can change. But, um, you know, Machado played for them, of course, at the end of the 2018 season. And I, from everything we heard at that time, it wasn't the best marriage. Uh, you know, they, they weren't – they obviously didn't make a, a big push to uh, to bring him back after that that short, uh, you know, appearance with them at the tail end of that year. So, um, so I, you know, I wouldn't expect that, but the game will always surprise you. Hey, you never know. Uh, I wouldn't, I would have never told you that, uh, Carlos Correa would still be a Minnesota twin after everything that went down this off season. (laughs) (laughs) So you never know with baseball, you never know, uh, when, when we get into the contract negotiations and you never know with physicals. Am I right, Anthony? I mean, you never know nowadays, but, uh, Man, let's uh let's get into th- this off season. I mean, we're talking about next off season, and then we can get to that when we get to it. Uh, but this off season, the start of the season uh, is a little bit more than a month away, and we start with opening day. I want to take a look at the opening day uh, on March thirtieth, where the Giants can look at what could have been uh, in the Bronx when they take on Aaron Judge and the Yankees. Do you believe that there was ever a chance that Aaron Judge would have been wearing orange and black? instead of pinstripes in the Bronx on opening day this year? Oh, there was always a chance. You know, I, I think most of us expected to end up back with the Yankees because why shouldn't the Yankees be able to get that deal done? You know, It's the most lucrative franchise there is, and he's uh, as lucrative a player as there is. He's so important to them. He's coming off this historic season, and just for them to let him walk, I know they've been uh, you know, outside of the Garrett Cole contract. They've been a little reluctant to do that kind of deal, but I mean, he checked every box for them. So it was, it was not quite a foregone conclusion, but pretty strong chance. Now, that's not to say that, you know, he didn't give serious consideration to the Giants. I think we saw that. But, um, you know, we'll never know exactly what was in his mind at that time. Was he just using the Giants for leverage? I don't know. But, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, he was pretty serious about just seeing what the market for his services was. That's why he turned down what he turned down at the start of the 2022 season and really bet on himself in a big way. So, um, you know, the Giants certainly uh, made a really strong effort to land him, and I know they were really bummed out not to get him. But I still think that 
it was maybe a, a good thing for them in the long run because I, I don't know that they were at that place competitively to, to go all in on a, you know, 30, you know, north of 30 slugger like that. I know there's the need for, you know, the guy who puts butts in the seats and for power, and they haven't had a power bat like that in a very long time. But it just struck me as maybe a bit of a reach for them at this stage. We're talking with Anthony Castro Vince of MLB.com, and we're talking uh, baseball offseason moves, getting re- getting you ready for the start of the regular season, which is about a, a, almost a month away, uh, a little bit over a month away. We're talking about uh, the Yankees, and a lot of the offseason kind of revolved around the New York teams. So I kind of want to keep it in the Bronx with a uh, former Giant because they're going to see him uh, also in that opening series in New York. Carlos Rodon, uh, he leaves the West Coast for the Bronx to join a, a really good um, starting rotation with Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, and now uh, Carlos Rodon. You add him in there. Frankie Montas won't be there, uh, unfortunately, with his injury. But w- with those just top three guys, w- would you name the Yankees one of the best rotations in baseball to start the year? And if you do, are they top three? Top, where, where do you place them? Yeah, I'm going to have to place them somewhere here soon because I always do rotation rankings uh, <laughs> just before the start of the season. I haven't, uh, you know, forced myself to do that quite yet because, you know, things happen. And we saw that. <laughs> We've seen that with uh, Frankie Montas right. and Nestor Cortez as well. You know, um, both of them banged up. Cortez more serious. Um, or excuse me, Montas more serious than Cortez at, at this stage, but because uh, Cortez is just a hamstring strain. But still, I mean, things happen when you get in this environment. You know, Jacob Degrom in Rangers camp um, has already uh, you know had to take a breather. Um, so it's best to hold off on those rankings for you know the next month plus. But they're certainly um, you know with Rodon, they're in a better place than they were, where it was a very Cole and, and Cortez oriented group last year. They, they got Montas at the trade deadline. He wasn't really able to help them down the stretch. Um, you know, Cortez stepping up the way he did last season was huge for them. But the Rodon really eases that burden uh, at the top end, and that's that's a really strong group if if all are healthy. And and Luis Severino is not to be overlooked as well. Uh, you know, he's he's in a healthier spot than he's been in recent years. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely up there. It's definitely going to be in my top ten. It's just a matter of where. So let's take the train over to the Queens. Let's leave the Bronx. Let's go over to the Queens uh, because they had some changes over in uh, their pitching rotation as well. Jacob DeGrom no longer there, as you mentioned. Uh, he is now with Bruce Bochy, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, him coming out of retirement. But he is now uh, with the Texas Rangers. But they get, I guess, would it be an upgrade of Justin Verlander? Where, where do you see it at this time in his career uh, is this an upgrade with Verlander getting into that rotation and reuniting with uh, Max Scherzer? I think that's going to be a really fascinating subplot to the season. Um, now, from the Mets' perspective, I'd rather have Justin Verlander on a you know on a short term deal. It's high value, but it's short term. Um, I'd rather have that deal than the Degrom deal, hands down, mm-hmm. no question about it. But does that, does that mean that? they get better, you know, that, that they get more from Verlander the next couple of years than they got from, than they would have gotten from DeGrom. That remains to be seen. You know, DeGrom um, has missed a lot of time. He's made uh, about a dozen starts in the last year and a half, uh, season and a half, I should say. Um, whereas Verlander, you know, he came back from Tommy John and was right back to being a workhorse and, and a Cy Young winner, incredibly, at his age. Um 
but you know, does past performance does not guarantee future results, right? So maybe maybe this year Degrom is the healthier one, and and Verlander has some attrition from you know a bit of a hangover from pitching deep into the year and, and doing what no one has ever done at his age, coming back from Tommy John the way he did at a high level that has never been done. So um, who knows, you know? But but yeah, I mean, if it's a choice between the two contracts. And, and on the Mets, give me the Verlander contract, and that's obviously the direction they took. So let's switch back to uh, a, a couple of position players because uh, there was a lot of movement as we we were talking about some arms that have moved around in the offseason, uh, guys wearing new uniforms in different places. We have Trey Turner uh, who leaves L.A. and goes to Philadelphia. You got Xander Bogarts, which was uh, – I. I not really a head scratcher, but it was just like, really, really Padres, what what are we doing? Like, because they just keep going after guys. Um, Judge didn't move anywhere, but you know, he's on uh he's on the Yankees, didn't go anywhere. Correa staying with the twins, Rodon. Of all these big name uh contracts, these big these big players in this offseason, which contract do you believe has the chance to age the best moving forward? Oh wow. Um yeah, that's a Boy, that's a really tough question. Um, a lot of variables. To, I don't know. To I mean, <laughs> yeah, so many variables. Uh, you know, I could I could make the bold prediction and say Carlos Correa just because he he was the guy whose right. health was you know the the biggest question mark. But yeah. you know, I like to make bold predictions, but that one seems uh, too bold for even me. Um, you know, uh, just thinking through them here. Uh, I mentioned that you know Verlander on a high average annual value, but among the position players. Um, you know, Danby Swanson is was clearly yeah. the fourth best of those shortstops, mm-hmm. but you know he's 29 years old, and I don't know. I, I get the feeling he might still have his best years ahead of him. Uh, he brings you a really high floor from a defensive standpoint. Maybe I'm overrating him. You know, I mean, he, he, uh, he's coming off a really strong offensive year, but I just that's the guy who posts up, and uh, you know, he obviously didn't command the, the kind of money that the other shortstops did, so that could be a sneaky one where we look back and go, ah, the Cubs got, you know, all things considered, got pretty good value. Cause just, and I'm only saying that because the other deals were so ginormous, you know, <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about 11 year deals for Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts. And this is going to be, I, I get why they're structured that way. They're structured that way because of the luxury tax threshold and the average annual value is lower when you make the long, deal longer. I get that, but still it's 11 year deals and 11 year deals, a long commitment to a middle infielder. And um, so, you know, who knows? I mean, Ten years from now, we might look back and say Swanson was the best value of all of us. And, you know, we talk about the the contracts, or you mentioned the contracts. Are, are we to expect that the contract structure moving forward is going to replicate what this offseason showed us? Hard to say. Um, this was kind of a perfect confluence of events where you did have a really deep free agent class, and it's the first. it was the first winner after a CBA was signed. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, that is a good market for players. You know, that's a good good time for players to cash in. And we certainly saw that. And I was, I think a lot of us were just blown away by the length of deals, the size of deals. Um, you know, is that the new normal? It, it very well could be because we all know that, you know, this is how numbers are reached is comparable contracts, you know, comparable performance, comparable position. And, and you just kind of go from there. And that's why things are always accelerating, uh, you know, in terms of what the top free agents can command. Um, but, you know, there will always be a limit to that in terms of which players can actually command that. In some years, it's going to be very light, and some few and far between. Um, 
So it's not every year that we have uh, as deep a class as we just had. Wrapping up here with Anthony Castro Vince uh, on the way out, Anthony, I just want to ask you because we all give out grades uh, after the off season when we go into spring training and, and the dust settles, right? Who, who won the off season? Mm-hmm. Because we know that that translates into success <laughs> into, the, into the regular <laughs> season. Uh, but who do you believe who would be your winner of the off season based on everything, uh, managerial changes, you know, uh, contract structures, just acquisitions, trades, who would you name as your off season uh, victor, of the 2022 heading into 2023 season? I just think the Mets and Padres were the the clear winners in terms of, I mean, the Mets, it was almost by default. I mean, you knew they are going to spend a lot of money because that's the nature of their owner, Steve Cohen. Um, but, you know, they, they had so many guys entering free agency, so they're going to have to replace those guys with other guys or bring them back, and that just leads to a lot of spending, which is what we saw. So, you know, they're a winner, but it's almost by default. And obviously the, the Korea thing didn't work out. There's still a question of the power in their lineup. That's the thing for every every team that's winner, even the ones that did some bold moves, there's still question marks. Um, but the Padres, you know, in recent days have, have nailed down another deal with Michael Waka. Um, it seems like they have more guys than roster spots somehow, but um, they, they're, they're the other clear winner for me just because, you know, they're they're doing things we just don't see from teams in that market size traditionally and um and they're all in, you know, and, and that's that's dangerous perhaps from a long term perspective, a sustainability perspective, but hey, they made the LCF the the uh, NLCF last year and, and they want more and you know, applaud them for, for really going for it. So those are the two, you know, clear winners for me. And then the the rest is just like, you know, the Rangers, you know, get Bruce Bochi and he's He's kind of an adult in the room, you know, uh, for a team that maybe needed that. And they add the Grom, and hopefully he's healthy, you know, and uh, the rotation could be as good as, as it looks on paper. Um, you know, the Phillies uh, were, were coming off the momentum of, of their NL pennant, and, and you like to see them, you know, keep pushing the needle there. And they did that with Trey Turner and, and by deepening their pitching staff. And, um, and lastly, I would say, um, well, the, the Twins with Correa, but also uh, the Blue Jays. I thought the Blue Jays had a really good offseason. Um, in terms of just a pure baseball offseason because they addressed uh, their defense up the middle uh, in center field with Kevin Kiermaier, and they addressed the balance in their lineup. You know, they, were, they were severely uh, right-handed, and they added Dalton Varsho in a trade, and and, um, and Brandon Belt um, was signed. So I, I like their balance and their defense better, and um, they added Chris Bassett to deepen their rotation. So they look like a much more viable playoff team now than they were a year ago. Now, before I let you go, Anthony, uh, you did mention Bruce Bochy. He comes out of retirement, and we love him up here in the Bay Area. Um, What what kind of, you know, it's kind of a tough job to come into the Rangers because they weren't seen as a a big competitor in the AL West. Uh, but they added DeGrom, right? And a couple of off seasons ago, they they added Marcus Simeon. They got Corey Seager there. So they have pieces there. Do you think Bruce Bochy would carry the the Rangers back into the postseason? Is that is that too much of an ask for this season? I don't know. It might be too much of an ask, but it is the ask. You know, right. I mean, when you make those kind of investments, I mean, you're not – you don't bring in uh, – how old is Bruce at this point? I mean, he's, he's up there, right? He's, he's up there, yeah. He's, he's uh, long time, 60, uh, 67 years old. Yeah. And you don't bring in a 67-year-old three-time World Series winning manager and invest half a billion dollars in your middle infield uh, for Sibian and Seager, and those guys are, you know, not young. Uh, and, you know, all the money they spent on DeGrom and other pitchers this winter, you don't do all of that 
to win later, right? You do all of that to win now. And it might just be a really big ask of that team where it is from a developmental stage, you know, with the, just the rest of the roster. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, teams, it's, it's just an interesting experiment because they're going to have really a lot of pressure to perform given all those circumstances I just mentioned. And we're talking about a team that won 68 games last year, you know, so that's a, they don't, they don't just need to be better and improve. I mean, they need to make a substantial leap. They, they were, they were 38 games out of the Astros last year. So, you know, yeah, yeah. World Series champion Astros at that, at that too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the bright side, the bright side, of course, is just, um, you know, the, the the playoff field has expanded and expanded last year, so there's more spots, and so it doesn't take as much as it did, you know, historically to to make that kind of leap from. Right you know, from 94 losses to playoff team, it's not as gigantic a leap as it once was, but it's still a very big leap for a team that has a lot to prove. Oh, that's why we watch the games, right, Anthony? That's why uh, baseball is just so exciting, uh, all 162, because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, you got all these changes in the offseason, and you got to see how these uh, teams gel and under a new manager, how does that how does that team react to it? It's going to be really fun uh, this year. But, Anthony, uh, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast and breaking it all down for us. I think we're all ready uh, for spring trading to get underway and just fast forward past this and get to the start of the regular season. Amen to that. Thanks for having me, Walter. <laughs> all right. And, again, that was Anthony Castro Vince of MLB.com. Go ahead and give him a follow at Castro Vince on Twitter. He, he, he knows his stuff. He covers baseball for MLB.com, uh, and, and it's just great to start talking ball uh, with everyone now. I'm just getting excited. I'm getting itchy with excitement uh, as we creep closer to the start of actual games for spring training that actually begin this week, later this week. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I sure did. It was a fun time talking some ball, breaking down the offseason moves with Anthony Castro Vince. So you guys have a good one. Be safe, and we will talk more ball next week. Talk to you then.